Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the Shintaro Higashi Show with Peter Yu. Today we're going to talk a little bit about judo strategies. That's right. So last time we talked about different styles of judo around the world. And I think that kind of brings about uh, a lot of diversity in the strategies you need to use to kind of match all the different styles. So I thought it would be a good good, uh, leeway into it. Yeah. Yeah. And we're talking a little bit about your Korean judo style versus the Japanese judo style that you sort of picked up from me because I'm very heavily influenced by the Japanese judo Mm -hmm. machine, right? Right. So you have sort of a hybrid style and, you know, I picked up some stuff from you and uh, (laughs) it's very important to be able to discuss where some of these specifics and these types of ideas and concepts come from, Right. right? And then looking at the overall general strategy, then looking at specific strategy, that sort of puts some light on it. And then if you can listen to it and then implement some of these ideas into your own judo system, I think that's a win for everybody, right? Yeah, I think so. And so having said that, why don't we kind of start with the traditional Japanese style, like that, yeah. the, the two hands on, you know, and then we'll kind of branch off from there, like, because that's where awesome. everything started. That's a great place to start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... The traditional classic two hands on, you could be right versus right or right versus left, ayotsu yeah. or kenkayotsu as they call it, right? And that's where it is. You start with two hands on and then you throw. Mm-hmm. That was all of it, right? And that's sort of the beginning of it. And then people have the concept of tokuiwaza, which is your favorite move. Right. You've done 10,000 times, 100,000 times. You could throw anyone and everyone you know, from your right. two hands on. And that's sort of the classical judo style, right? Now it's a little bit... I don't want to say outdated. There's people who live and die by it, right? Yeah. But it's definitely branched off and there's much more diversity in, in world judo now. Right, from that right. Style. So the, do you, would you say you kind of started also from that style and then evolved yeah. from it? Yeah. Yeah. Because so your dad probably had that. Judo. Yeah. yeah. My father was a big fan of that and he was yeah. old school judo. And you can take the 50-50 position where it's like, hey, you have your right hand on my collar. I have my right hand on your collar. You have your left hand on my sleeve. I have my left hand on your sleeve. Right. Now we're dead even, same exact position. And I'm blasting away some of my favorite attacks. And you're blasting away some of your favorite attacks. If mm-hmm. you're going for a big turn throw, I'm going to guess and try to defend it. Right? Maybe you fake and you go Ochi. And then maybe right. I catch it and then I try to counter it. Uh, that brute force style is very good mm-hmm. you know, for some people. If you're big, strong, athletic, tons of hours in the gym, right. tons of experience... You know, though that's that could go a long way. And there's some people in the world who still fight like that. Yeah, I guess that's why. I mean, a lot of the Japanese players can afford to do that. I guess because they have yeah. a lot of mess time and it's great that's training. Right. Yeah, that's right. And then the nuances of like person's right. hand is about to move or they feel it. Right? They feel yeah. it. They understand it. There's only a certain number of things that you can do from that position. Right. Right. And then even though when you're adjusting for position to gain slight advantages in hand position, like you kind of feel it, you kind of understand it, you could anticipate it, right? You could Mm. attack and then adjust the position. That's a big part of my sort of teaching. Right, right. So can we talk about that a little, Uh, the little adjustments that you do? I know you emphasize that shoulder roll all the time. Yeah, so right versus right, right hand collar, left hand sleeve. Right. Yeah. If I could bring your collar hand down a little bit and then bring my collar hand right. up a little bit, right? Now the lever arm is much longer from the right. fulcrum, this from the center of gravity, right? Longer mm-hmm. the lever arm. So now I have a little bit more control of your upper body. And if we lock in 50-50 Osotogari, I could push your head a little bit more with force and tip you over as opposed to you cannot because your hand right. is much lower on my chest. Right? Yeah. So that's sort of the idea. 
Uh, if your hand is very high on my collar here, then I can't turn into that hand. But if mm -hmm. I have my hand up here, right, I could sort of really force. And then if your hand is low, I could turn my body away. Right. Uh, it's really about controlling posture. Yeah, that's right? a, that subtle adjustment. Honestly, like that was one of the biggest, uh, biggest like one of the biggest things I learned from you because it really changed my game like it, it doesn't yeah. you don't really need to do much to gain mm -hmm. the advantage and it's yeah. like kind of like a little subtle shoulder shimmy almost yeah and where where did you i'm kind of curious i mean i've been meaning to ask you like where did you get the idea did you learn it from japan or do yeah uh, i learned something? it from japan i was oh, okay. in kukushkan high school kukushkan right. college university you know every time yeah. i went over there they would emphasize that and sometimes even if it weren't explicitly said, I would be doing judo and I would feel my lapel hand sliding, sliding down little down. by little. I and see. then the more it slid down, the less I was able to attack successfully. I see. Right? So then it became a game of like, all right, how do I keep my lapel hand high? Right. How do I bring my opponent's lapel hand low? And this right. is specifically in a right side versus right side setting. I right? see. And a lot of people still kind of do this intuitively. People who have never been taught this mm -hmm. do it intuitively. Right? They just know... The higher the hand it is on the collar, and the more they could crank on the head, the more that they feel uncomfortable, right? right? So naturally, intuitively, people are already sort of doing this. But I just happen to teach it explicitly. Yeah, I think I think that's that's very important. You know, like I yeah. saw, I, I think it seems like a lot of like people at Kokushkan kind of picked it up because of the so yeah. many hours on the mat. Yeah, but you know, we don't in America. It's that's hard to do. Yeah. And then as a teaching tool, it's like you show Sotogari and people are worried about their balance. What do I do right. with my feet? How do I step? What should my hands be doing? They're not really thinking about the starting point of like, okay, here are the cues for me to go into Sotogari. My hand right. has to be, my lapel hand has to be higher than their lapel hand. They're right. not really thinking that. Uh, you know, and I said so like, hey, watch where your hands are. Put your right. hands higher. Gain better advantage. Attack from a position right. of power. And that's sort of, you know, what I always, yeah. always sort of preach. Are there some other little adjustments that uh people do over there in japan mm. or is yeah, that the, for sure the general, yeah. for sure you know there's a lot of things like if you're losing in position already your ha opponent's hand is very high on the mm -hmm. lapel and you can't bring that hand down you put your chin over and you lean into that arm right right so, like you see the 50 50 extreme position like this and then people have their chin over the hand. I that see. way you're leaning away from all the turn throws, all those sotogaris, all their power-oriented attacks. Now right, all of a sudden, right. the one thing that's available to your opposition is the sasai. Right? Yeah. So now you know the sasai is available for them. They might really blast into it. So you could kind of anticipate it and try to time an ouchi or a kochi or something like I that. I see. Or simply just shoving them as they're kind of going back. I see. You know what I mean? So like that's something that you, know, you, you want to have, but that... Mm only works on a sophisticated opponent who knows that. You know? Right, right. If you kind of have the opponent's hand up high, you can't take it down, you lean into the arm, person tries to force an osoto, you could counter it, mm -hmm. right? But most good people are not going to go for an osoto there. Right, you know? right. But unless you're Shohei, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, no. he can, he and then can you have a massive, yeah, he could brute force some of that way. So yeah. it really depends on the person's athleticism, how big they are, how strong right. they are, how tall they are, Right. How good they are at Osotogari. Do they right. have a Sasai in the first place? They don't have a Sasai. You don't have to worry about none of it. You could just stay in the pocket down low here, mm -hmm. leaning into the arm and just do judo the whole time and pick at the person's Ouchi, pick at the person's Kouchi, and then right. just looking for your own turn throws. Yeah. Right? So, so that, that's like basic right versus right strategy. So in that situation, now that say uh, you... Basically, I want to ask you about the counters to 
this little shimmy and 50-50 judo yeah. going into the dominant position, uh, this traditional, traditional uh, two-handed yeah. judo. Um, mm-hmm. how, what do you, how do you usually combat that when you can't yeah. really fight the... That's a, yeah. yeah, that's a good question. So sometimes I'm locked up 50-50. I put my chin over the hand or adjust yeah. the shoulder and bring the hand down. Now, they're also doing the same thing to my right, right hand as well, right? My hand that controls the head, they're pushing it down. So sometimes as they're pushing down, I'll release it and then mm-hmm. pull, right? So now all of a sudden they have this sort of emotion, right? And then their yeah. posture comes back Oof. up. And now when it's up high here, they release the pressure on this arm here. So mm. now this is a good time for me to bite the hand up or go in for a soto or something right. like this. Or maybe when they do that, you know, you attack the feet and then you take the hand off, right? So I you can not just squeeze and put pressure, but you can cut the hand off, right? I mean, so that's like better this than 50-50. Yeah, it's better yeah. than 50-50. Yeah. Right? So that's something that you can do. I know uh, when the arm is pinned, you could roll the arm inside the gi and then try to bring your opponent's hand to the inside of the, the sleeve. I see. And then you throw your arm across to cut that hand. Right? Yeah. I made a couple of videos about that in the right side versus right on my YouTube. Yeah. So, And, you know, you can't just do one of these. It's right. very nu- nuanced, right? So sometimes they put pressure on and you try to roll the elbow and then cut the hand. doesn't work. They're still pressure down. You're rolling the hair and pulling them off balance. You're attacking the feet. You're cutting their hand, right? There's a lot going on. You know, it's kind of like uh, like drumming. You know, one right. hand's doing something. The other hand's doing another thing, right? You're trying mm-hmm. to keep your balance by keeping your feet underneath you. Mm-hmm. You're trying to monitor some of the different attacks that he may do. Right. You know, so it gets kind of complicated, but this is one of those things like you could learn over time by doing and doing and doing of course you could watch youtube videos right uh, it's a very that's what makes judo a very tricky thing yeah right? it's very for tricky. me yeah for me i think uh yeah th- these things take time but i for me what helped was you know you you laid out some of the big pictures mm. to the students like the little yeah. shimmy you know the basic idea how you gotta pin the elbow and then you want your uh, lapel hand to go high so from yeah. there everything kind of flows out right i yeah. think that's a good way to look at it like you emphasize yeah. it a lot yeah yeah and then you could have one hand attacks right so like now yeah. all of a sudden you have two hands on and they have their sleeve you completely controlled and they rip that hand away now mm-hmm. you have one hand on it's your right hand or something now you have to have a weak side epon saying right you don't you don't really have any threats from there now you're losing because they have a short dominant turn and now mm-hmm. you have a weak side long turn. Right? right. So like a long distance left Ipon Sanagi versus a short distance right Ipon right. Sanagi right. off this hand that shouldn't be on. Like I'm losing in that position, mm-hmm. theoretically. Right. So being able to deal with that is important. I the see. advantage of being able to grip is you don't have to do a lot of this stuff. Right. If I could put my first hand on and then if I could put myself in that completely dominant position, Right, then I don't really have to worry about the person adjusting or squeezing or moving the shoulder or none of that stuff because you're right. not starting in 50 50. Right? right, you have your one hand on, you're attacking, 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 and by the time you get your two hands on, you're already fully dominant. Right, so you've already shut off everything that they already dom- uh, potentially have. Right? That's yeah, that's where your uh, one handed judo comes from, right? Like, how, how to even start, like, you don't even, you don't even yeah. try to go right away into the uh, double hand grips really sometimes i do so oh, sometimes do. if i'm doing one handed grip one handed grip and mm-hmm. i'm consistently right so it depends on finding right side versus left side but let's right. talk right versus right because it's most yeah. common and it's a lot easier to understand so i want to put this left hand on sleeve lapel sleeve lapel right so offense hand 
defense hand, right? So defending mm. my sleeve. Every time they go for the lapel, I'm parrying, moving and punching and punching. But if I do that every single time, right, of course, there's some variations to it. Mm-hmm. Then people are going to start understanding. Maybe they're very good in that position. So I'm going to look like I'm going to go for two hands, and then I just jump and go double hands. Right? I see. Sometimes I'll do that, you know, uh, every now and then, once every three or four exchanges or something like that, just to mix it up. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, you know, I haven't been caught right off of that yet, you know, so right. that's something that uh, can definitely be available to you. I see. So the one-handed attack, uh, the grip fighting yeah. strategy uh, you do, actually, I used to do it backwards and then I got caught a lot because I have a left if Ippon Sayonage. I'm a righty, but I have a left yeah. Ippon Sayonage. So because I was so confident with it, sometimes I would lead with my right hand in my one-handed yeah. grip fighting and grab the, gri- uh, grip their lapel, yeah. and I'll get counter. So yeah. it, can you just kind of go over the actual strategy you use, kind of, kind of pinning down the uh, sleeve hand and whatnot, the attack hand? Yeah. With the one-handed so judo. So if the person's leading hand, leading yeah. right, I'm leading right, and if I could grab that lead hand and that sleeve, and I could bring it down, right, that hand needs to be on my lapel to control my posture. Right, right. now I control it completely. I fully have it. I have one hand on, he has zero hands on, and mm. then I'm attacking one-handed Tatoshi, one-handed Ponsenagi, arm drag. If you want to just take the person's back, right. As I'm attacking for all those things, I fake one thing, I go for another, maybe Shosode, and then I throw this right hand over the back, mm-hmm. right. So now they're completely dominated, and from there and only there do I start launching my Kochi, Ochi, Sasai, mm-hmm. Osoto, big turn throws, like these forceful big attacks. Yeah. You're different and unique because you have a lot more attacks to the left as well. Right. Not only do you just go for right side, uh, left side Ipon Sainagi off that right hand lapel, which is to the weak side, you also go for it and go for that far Osotogari to the left side. You have a left side right. Osoto off that Ipon Sainagi. Yeah. Right? And then you go for that, and then you miss, and then you go drop Sanagi. Mm. So it's a pretty good system. You have three attacks to the weak side off of that hand. So that's a very dangerous thing that Peter does that you should watch out for if you <laughs> ever fight him. I'm exposed now. <laughs> yeah. But I, I used to, but I think my problem was, before you pointed that out to me, I would just go for that right away yeah. instead of fighting my right-handed judo first. Like, so I would... Yeah. You know, starting with the pinning yeah. down the sleeve hand, attacking my regular osoto, ochimaras, yeah. whatever, yeah, the and right then kind of, yeah. and then kind of surprising them, and that was another yeah. big eye opener for me. Yeah, that's right. Because if you're just you know leading right, and then you want to do most of your attacks to the right, but instead of fighting to get into that right side versus right side position, you're yeah. putting yourself in a bad position and attacking off right. of that you know the wrong side, right? It's not really wrong, but it's the wrong side. Yeah. And you're only doing that, that should be sort of a surprise attack, right? Yeah. And it, everyone expects you to have one attack to the to the left, the weak side, right? Right. Whether it's Sasai or Lefty Ponce and Agi or Sode. Some people have Sode if they're pretty mm. slick. Then you have Kataguruma and all that stuff. Uh, but generally, people have one or two attacks to the weak side. You have three, three or four, mm-hmm. maybe even five. You have a left side, one-handed Tayo. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Made a video about that. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> write that in. You know, if you're fighting Peter, uh, <laughs> if you're ever gonna fight him in Detroit area, uh, <laughs> keep that in mind. So what you want to do is like right side, right side, right side, fighting for position, fighting for position, attacking off one hand to the right side, strong hand. Put two hands on. Ochi kochi uchimata. You're doing all your judo, 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 and then all of a sudden you find yourself in this left side, and mm. then you go for ipon senagi. Right. Someone very good, it might not work. But they're definitely not expecting you to go Ipon Sanagi or Sotogari into Drop Sanagi, right? 
and then, then now we're fighting, 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 and then you get out gripped. You get yeah. one hand. You they control your sleeve first, right? And you're like, get off me, get off me. And they have no yeah. clue that you're gonna turn and do a left side one handed tie up. Right. And that's that's your secret weapon, really. Yeah, and that's you know? that actually even if those like my left side attacks fail, that actually yeah. opens up the other side, like my right side of judo. Yeah. So I yeah. think it really going back and forth really helps and yeah I, and showing that too soon is a problem too right because right. all of a sudden it's like oh i'm out gripping this person to the left to mm-hmm. right versus right and this person's kind of fighting mostly to the left let me shut that stuff down mm-hmm. you know what i mean once i'm comfortable with that now for you to return and to beat me as a right versus right gonna be a little bit trickier right right it needs to be surprised i mean you could go both ways really yeah you know what i mean and you have some good side left-sided attacks but to me knowing your judo I know your right side stuff is a lot more powerful. Right. Right? Like yeah. you could string together more stuff. You could go force Uchimata to the right. Yeah. Right? You're comfortable being on that left leg. You know, Ochi, Uchimata, turn, Osoto, fake right. the technique, go to side, snap down, you know, Korean, Seinaga, whatever. You're good at all that stuff. So because you're mostly right-handed, mm-hmm. right, you could kind of sort of depend, you know, adjust your strategy based on that. Right. But if they don't know... Right, you could mostly be doing left-handed stuff, left-hand stuff, left-handed then surprise them right-hand too. Right? Yeah. that's an option as well. Right, so that comes into sort of like the game. Not, yeah. it's not game theory, but it's this idea of like, do they know your style? Yeah, imperfect Have they been information. Yeah, information. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, a lot of people, if they're not skilled and if they don't have the intelligence to break, not intelligence, but like judo IQ, judo IQ to break yeah. this stuff, this down. Yeah, like all that information, knowing this stuff, it's not going to mean anything. Right. right? Because your body has to keep up with some of this mental stuff too. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it becomes very cerebral, and I remember it, I love talking to you about like ma- my matches or other matches because you know you yeah. can kind of see right away, even from the sideline, you know. Yeah. And but those those uh pe- check out uh Shintaro's commentary, like the Randori commentary videos. They're really informative. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have some great strategy, you know, pretending to tap in a tournament. And yeah. Then not actually <laughs> you know, like, well, that was that a great is, one, right? That's, yeah, a, that's, a a, that's my uh, secret weapon. Yeah. Peter, so, you tap like, like this so the referee can't see it. And the guy's like, he tapped. And Peter's like, I, I don't know uh, what I you're talking know. about. <laughs> that's the best strategy I've ever seen in judo. My right. That, that's, yeah, I think yeah. that was my... Uh, I, I probably should have quit judo back, uh, yeah. back then. <laughs> So That's now awesome. we talked about the same side of stuff, you know, going from yeah. starting from one hand getting the dominant two hand grip, adjusting yeah. and all that. How about offside, like the right, left, right versus left situation? Yeah. That's a total, so, total different yeah, situation. Yeah, it's a totally yeah. different thing. And, you know, we're when we sort of have this conversation, we're assuming that the person's a true lefty and they have 90% of their attacks going to the left side. Right. Right. And then I'm a true righty and I have 90% of my attacks going on the right side, right? Right. So inside versus outside configuration, right side versus left, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not exactly the same. If we both have our lead arm on the opponent's collar, one right. arm is going to be underneath, one arm is going to be over the top. One arm is right. going to be inside, one arm is going to be outside, right? Right. So that's the battle first. That's the first battle, putting that first hand on to determine who gets inside control or outside control. Mm-hmm. sometimes people like outside control and i like inside control i'm like okay that's cool right i put my hand on they put their hand over comfortable they put their hand on over the top i'm like oh, i like inside anyway mm-hmm. go for the inside right and some people say inside is always better that's not necessarily true yeah i have to reiterate that if you're on the outside player and you know that position really well 
that's good for you, mm-hmm. right? Not inside's always better. You know, if you're much taller than the person, going inside can be good. But you know, maybe you like going on the outside. Who knows, right? And pulling mm-hmm. the person in, squeezing the person in. So if you have your hand on first, I like inside. You like inside. You come underneath. I say nope, and I could close this window. Right. right? Now they cannot have access to the lapel. They have to go around, see all this space over the top. And mm. as you're going for it, I create this frame here, right? Mm. I create the frame, sleeve. You need a strong post in between your body and their body. So now they can't close this distance. That's the big right. idea, right? The uh, Controlling that distance between you and your opponent. And That's so that right. you have space to go in for your throw. Yeah, you have control in the distance, which is kind of a, an esoteric thing, right? It's hard mm-hmm. to really understand. What does it mean to control the distance? Right. You know what I mean? And I, I like to put it in a way where if I have inside control, if I don't want the person to come closer to me, I could prevent that with the strong elbow post or if mm-hmm. I could physically push with a nice strong post here, right? Right. But if he, the person has their elbow over and then has crunched my arm down in this weak angle, now even if I want to push the person in because my arm is scrunched in this way, I can't really push him away from right. me. Right. Like right? bench press That's, versus, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Bench press versus like a, a shoulder, shoulder lateral fly, yeah. fly situation. So that's one portion of it. Mm-hmm. Once you have a strong pulse on the opponent, you grab the sleeve and then you could physically push and pull to turn the person's shoulder, right? Right. And because we're trying to throw in the same space, like if we're right versus left, we're both trying to throw here, right? Yeah. If I could turn their shoulders towards me this direction a little bit better, it's a lot easier for me to throw them here, mm-hmm. right? So control the distance, create a pulse, and then turning the shoulder is sort of the grip fighting slash uh, positional adjustment thing right? right i think grip fighting is a little bit more prominent in the right versus left uh right versus right yeah because you're fighting for that lapel hand coming down and up right right and right you're breaking and you're breaking right versus left is a little bit less grip fighting mm. less less right it, and there's a little bit more judo i see because you, you i guess yeah you, you're just you kind of have to ha- just let each other grip the lapel and then kind of go for it from there i'll yeah. just think that right versus right you're turning into each other's arms you're right. turning into each other's techniques i spin this way you spin that way we're turning in and against right. each other and the thing that's really preventing it is this hand so mm. you have to freaking fight for it and take the hand off and this and that right 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 versus left even if you have a strong post not completely losing i still kind of attack yeah. and turn my hips so right. now it's fighting for that sleeve and then getting that shoulder turn right right so there's a little bit yeah of less grip fighting so, and then the interesting bit of, about uh, turning your opponent's shoulder yeah. in the right-left uh, com- configuration. So, in that, it's sometimes that's hard to do because I think when the left, uh, my opponent shuts that yeah. down, that the, the turn with their hip yeah. and I try to w- apply the downward force with their whole body with the yeah. starting from the hip. Like, and w- so how do you... How, is there any trick to that? What's your strategy when they try to uh, shut everything down and going to that direction? You know, so if they like turning with their hips, then I open them up with a sasai because naturally I that's going to be sort of weak, right? And then right. if I'm pushing and pulling and they're resisting back this direction, I could uh. release and go sasai this way, which is going to take them off balance over here. And as they return to neutral, that's when I post this hand and then fight for the mm. sleeve back. But it really does come down to this posting arm Post, yeah. because... If my arm is scrunched from the inside, right? I have inside control, they have outside control, and they've done a good job of holding this arm down. Mm-hmm. Now that they're pulling this hand and turning my shoulder, 
it's very difficult for me to just pull their entire body with this one arm. Right. I need to be able to push and pull to physically turn them. Right. right. So it's a little bit of like, you know, I need to keep this fight arm strong in order to return this hand. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use Sasai to open him up first and then bring him back. Right. So there's a little bit of a, a game there. You right. know, and you, do you have a lead like Dayashi, like a sticker? Mm-hmm. Dayashi, where you like, do like a heel hook Dayashi, I like to call it too. Mm-hmm. You know, do you have that? Do you have an Ouchi there to return that person's leg to have him a little bit more square so you could win this position? Like mm-hmm. those things all really come into play. That's another big, uh, big idea, I guess. The action reaction, like you know, yeah. if if one way doesn't work, go the other way so that you can come back to it stronger. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so a lot of it is pattern recognition, right? Like let's say yeah. gripping, you know, it gets pretty complicated, but you know we're pretty much even, even. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're winning, you know, advantage a little bit. Sometimes I'm winning by a little bit and it's dead even, 50-50. Now gripping sort of out of the game. Right. Right? Like you, you're not winning. If you're out gripping the person every single time, you have, you know, 10 exchanges in a match, exchanges in like 30-second shots yeah. but to throw the person. You know, for 10 out of 10, you're in a great position. The likelihood of you getting taken down are a lot less, right? Because right. you're attacking from a better position. Right. Right? So you don't have to think about it. But now, if we're like sort of splitting the difference, right? Mm-hmm. Half the time you're in great position, half the time I'm in great position. Now, a lot of it is like pattern recognition of attacks. If you're constantly going for Ochi, 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 even though I'm in a losing position, as you're coming in, I could try to counter it because I know it's kind of like I anticipated. Right. right. You know what I mean? So the action reaction stuff is true, right? Mm-hmm. Right, 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 left, right? Mm-hmm. Forward, 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 back. Mm-hmm. You know? High attack, high attack, high attack, drop Sanagi. Mm-hmm. Right, the one thing that really doesn't work is drop Sanagi, drop Sanagi, drop, drop Sanagi, <laughs> drop Sanagi. You get strangled, right? I used to do that. Spend, spend, <laughs> spend We've all done it at some point, you yeah. know, trying to learn some kind of a drop attack, yeah, and then getting stuffed and getting choked. We've all right. been there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sucks. <laughs> it really does. Um, yeah. So we cover right, left, and another uh, more another popular question is stiff farming. Like how yeah, do I just deal made a with stiff full arm. video on this yeah. at, with judo fanatics? Good, good. Full blown yeah. video series. That so can yeah. we cut, uh, let's talk about a little bit about that? How how you deal with what's what what kind of strategy you employ to yeah. deal with stiff arm? Opponents? That's a very interesting question, right? Because it's not very relevant to competition, right? Because if you're stiff arming your opponent and you know, you're just stiff arming and just keeping the person away and defending. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, you're not really actively trying to throw the person, which will get you penalized in judo. Right. It's the equivalent of in wrestling. If you're backing out the whole time and you're not actively trying to take the person down, the, the referee says it's passive, right? You're yeah. passive. You know, yeah. you're losing points. You're penalty, penalty, passive, passive. You're not trying to take the person down. Same mm-hmm. thing in judo, right? Mm-hmm. Stiff arm, stiff arm. You're not trying to actively throw. You're doing negative judo. Right. Right. Not positive judo where you're trying to slam the person. You're scared. You're weak. Mm-hmm. You're going back. You're not doing nothing. You know, penalty, team penalty. So this is only really relevant in training. Mm-hmm. I learned this new Sanagi. The person's stiff arming me. I learned this Osotogari. The person's just trying to create distance and not get thrown. Mm-hmm. Those things are a real issue. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, stiff arming, one of my favorite ways to counter it is not trying to go into the person because that's where the strongest, right? right? So as they're pushing you away, you go in the opposite direction, try to strip that hand. Mm-hmm. Oh. If you strip one of the hands, now all of a sudden, right? And the way to do it is if you do like an Ochi or something and then you want to create body separation between you and the other person. Right. So now 
it's your body going this way, my body going this way, and the tension of that is all in the person's hand connecting to your gi. Right. right? And then you attack it by adding force to that tension. Mm-hmm. Right? That way, that's the only way to really take it. Because if we're standing still, you have my lapel, and I'm trying to physically just take it off with one hand, that literally is my pushing strength versus your gripping strength. Right. And, you know, you got gorilla hands. <laughs> <laughs> there are some right? tricks with the grips, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like that. that's, that's the first trick. Yeah, right? I see. And then are you able to attack off of that posted hand on the lapel? Some people right. have great sode. You know, mm-hmm. not, not me. I mean, I have a decent sode, but right, I'm not too comfortable. It's not one of my main things. So it's like having sode, having a Korean sayanagi, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to go the opposite direction, cut that hand, right? Mm-hmm. You could adjust from there and then snap the person down and create angles and attack the legs. All these different uh, things come into play. I see. The right? another Basic thing strategies of yeah, yeah. Another thing I learned throughout the years is that when someone is stiff arming you, you actually want to do the opposite and then stay more relaxed to yeah. allow yourself to enter. Uh, your throws mm. and then kind of instead of doing the traditional kuzushi you you can kind of because they're so stiff you don't yeah. need to do much of the kuzushi because they uh, you don't uh they'll they're already kind of going over with the stiff with the stiffness do, what do you do you think there's any like validity in that somewhat you know you could always say like oh the person's stiff now i have to go soft you know and (laughs) kind of go like that (laughs) yeah but like uh i guess it's not really actionable it's not i used to hear that a lot but i I used to get confused like okay what are yeah what does that exactly mean i mean you could also say things like oh the person's stiff therefore he's not that quick now you have to be faster and quicker by being softer right right it really doesn't really help you right i think you know what i mean it's yeah so like yeah the, i get those things and uh you know but that's not really an actionable thing if i yeah here's a, a little bit more of an actionable one if they're stiff upper body and they're posting mm-hmm. away and their hips are back now are also they're defensive that mm-hmm. creates a big space underneath their arms right right and going for a turn throw might be difficult if they're double posted on your shoulder because now you can't turn your shoulders and change levels but if right. you could pull them forward into your body and then slip underneath for a tomoinage right 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 but do you have a tomoinage Right. Do you have a straight tomonage? Do you have a yoko tomonage? Can you fake the tomonage and cut the hand? And then now all of a sudden you're dominant and you're stuffing his head down and you're kicking right. him in the shed. Right. Can you do that? Right. And having many different strategies and having one or two of them where you could actually throw the person off of it is important. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, yeah, you kind of have to be a little bit gentle and soft and smooth to be able to implement a lot of this stuff. Because if they're stiff and you're stiff and you're locked up like this, right. like, nothing's happening. Right. You know? And that's what you see when you have two beginners. Right. Who don't want to get thrown, locked mm-hmm. up 50 50, and then one person lunges at the other person's knees with an osoto, and now and, you got an yep. injury. Your, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, telling a beginner, like, you have to be more less stiff, you have to be more relaxed, doesn't really help them. Yeah. Because it does, they don't, uh, why? What? You know? And it's like, they understand it conceptually, like, why I should be more loose to be more athletic. Right. Right. And they watch sports, you know, Tom Brady throwing the football. They're like, you're not stiff and tense, like not holding the ball as hard as he can. And then, right, he's like loose moving, right? Right. Boom. Exploding into these movements. If you look at an Olympic lifter in the bottom pocket position where they're about to do like a clean and jerk, right? They're not Mm. like stiff at the bottom of the movement. Yeah. You know, I mean, they are because they have to like stiff and brace their core. But they're not 
maybe that's not a good example. <laughs> well, they have to stay. You get uh, yeah, you have to stay explosive, and that require. Yeah, there, it's it's yeah. more about flexibility. It has to do with flexibility too. It's not just the brute strength, and yeah, yeah. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, I think I, I sometimes like when beginners ask me for advice, I tend to say that, but I forget that it's more about. Like you said, you have to give them actionable items to get yeah. to the get there instead yeah. of just reiterating yeah. the goal state. Yeah. Yup. Yeah. That's that's so a, yeah. We got stiff armed, bent over. It's very similar, and you want to get good right. at each one of these things, right? If you don't know how to counter a stiff arm, you can't really train and get better at certain techniques. So you have to kind of break through that, yeah. even though you won't see it in competition. It's a skill set that you need to improve your judo. Right. Right. You need one-handed attacks, two-handed attacks, adjusting for position when you're linked up. You need one-handed attacks to threaten the two-handed mm-hmm. attacks. And a long time ago, there was no-handed attacks, right? right? Which means you could just shoot it on the legs. That was long-range judo. Right. Person's coming right. towards you with their hands up high. You just change levels and shoot it on the leg without right. having any hand control, right? And that was a thing. You know, and it's a little bit different than wrestling because if you're able to reach out and touch the person in judo, they could grab your gi. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, that's not really coming off. You have to actively take that hand off. Mm-hmm. As opposed to wrestling, they could reach out and touch your post, your hands on your shoulder. You could literally just pop it right off and then shoot it on the legs, right? Right, right. So the range that you're shooting from in judo is a lot further out. Because mm-hmm. if you're close enough to touch the person, they're going to be gripping your gi. And you can right? just stuff, stuff the shoot. The shot. I mean, yeah, it yeah. depends on who's shooting too, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So you had the no-handed judo, the one-handed judo, then you had the two-handed judo. That was sort of the idea back in the day. Right. Right. But right. now there is no more. You can't just shoot in on the legs anymore. So now there's mm-hmm. one-handed judo and two-handed judo. Mm-hmm. And when you're gripping, you can sort of jump the line and not have to adjust because you I can see. put yourself in a dominant position. Right. And you can be very, very effective gripper if you could throw off that one hand. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So the next portion of the strategy that's really important that you need to know how to do is the transitions to newaza. Right. Before newaza, right? Just transition to newaza. If you're winning in position, mm-hmm. the opponent's going to go for a bad bailout attack. Right. I like to teach my bailout attacks as tomonage, sumigaishi, ipon senagi, drop senagi. Because mm-hmm. those three things can effectively get you out of that position and transition the match down to the ground. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do you attack that? You know, and that's another right. strategical thing. Yeah. So the, the I think because in judo, the typical judo practice, you kind of separate those out, you know, the standing mm-hmm. portion and the newaza. So a lot of times people yeah. don't get enough uh, training or a, even an a- emphasis on the transition. Yeah. So besides the, yeah. So let's start with the bailout attacks. Like, um, mm-hmm. What kind of situations you look for, you look to do bailout attacks, and then when you do bailout attacks, what yeah. are the, some of the things you need to be cautious of? Mm. Yeah. So if I'm fighting you right versus right, your hand is high on my collar, controlling my head. You right. pulling my head down, and my hand is let's just say completely lost, right, down by your stomach on the mm-hmm. collar, which means I can't really throw you a soda or any turn throw. Right. Mm-hmm. I need to get out of that position. It's only a matter of time until you like fake the turn, snap me down, create an angle, cut at my knees, kick me in the shin, snap me down. Yeah. Until you blast in for a big massive uchimata or something. Right. You know what I mean? And then if you have a really nasty uchimata, I don't want to be subjected to that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to be exposed to that sort of risk. Therefore, I'm going to take it to the ground. Right. Right. 
which means if I go straight Tomonage, Yoko Tomonage to the side, you know, connect my left shin to your lead leg and drop to the side, Yoko Tomonage, bring my right foot up to your hip. Whether right. I throw you or not, you end up sort of in the in top position. Guard, yeah, I'm yeah. going to be in the bottom position, mm-hmm. right? And then from right there, what do we do? You know, and right. being trained to be able to attack, like if you're on bottom, like shin to shin guard, mm-hmm. or go for, for a tripod sweep. Mm. And then you on top being able to stuff that Tomonage and going for an over-under pass immediately, which is the best pass for judo because the rule sets kind of change how Neiwaza is fought. Right. Right. And attacking that. Or maybe if you go for a drop Sayanagi, I already have the hand on the collar. As you're dropping, I'm already setting up my loop choke. Mm. Yeah. Not my loop choke or the the clock choke. Right. Or the British strangle. Yeah. It's different attacking those transitional moments than... Person misses a throw, ah, we drop to the floor, you're turtled up, and then I land on top. I'm like, okay, here we go. We're going to go for a strangle now. Right. Right? It's a little bit different. Right, right. So the the uh, the uh, attacking the transition. So I did have a question about that because I do I do a lot of drop seoinage, and you, you yeah. counted that as like a bailout attack. So if I'm doing the drops, if I did the drop seoinage, yeah. how do I, can I effectively attack that transition yeah and so if you do the drop sanagi boom yeah there's ways the person defends the sanagi right right if they if you're dropping and turning to your left right Mm -hmm. i could go in the opposite direction and i could let you go through this hole here right and then i could step out through there kind of throwing your body to the other side opposite side of the sanagi as opposed to like if i'm here and you're dropping sanagi and you want to throw me that way, I step through this way, right? So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you do that, yeah. right, as we're missing, the, maybe you don't get the Sayanagi, right. my arm is going to be end up in this position, right? Mm-hmm. So then you could grab it and then tuck yourself and roll underneath. Ah, I see. That's a Go possibility. A little... I see, right? I see. Now, if I step towards the side of the technique, now yeah. you're right prime time for the, right. the Kriyarijime or the clock choke, right? Can you pull guard from there? I see. Right? Can you, you pull guard effectively and then attack that arm right away? Mm-hmm. You know, and if you could do it instantaneously and if you train to do so, right, that's something that you could do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's different from like, oh, this guy just dropped Sanagi just to get out of the thing and now we're doing Nawaza and now I don't really want to do Nawaza. And now like, oh, looking at the ref, we're like, oh. <laughs> right? Yeah. As opposed to like, drop Sanagi, boom. Oh, shoot, he's cracking on my arm. Oh, my God, I got out of there. I right. dominate. I'm about to throw your soto. Drop Sanagi, boom. Right? I go for the clock choke, but now you're pulling guard, and all of a sudden you're trying to sweep me. And I'm like, oh, shoot, my base, my base. Right, right, right. Right? It's a totally different uh, set of strategies. Right. You know what I mean? But generally speaking, when you miss a drop Sanagi, you're in a worse position. Because yeah. if the person has very, very good attacking the back system, then you're going to be in trouble. Especially they're anticipating your drop. And like you said, yep. they could. I, yeah. I've gotten that a lot, just loop chokes and. Yeah, yeah, clock chokes. Yeah, clock chokes mostly, right? Yeah. And the British strangle. Yeah. So, Tomonage too. And it's a little bit different from being good at Newaza period when you're mm. training for Newaza. Right. Uh, because when you're going into the Newaza, the transitions that you're going to be attacking, mm-hmm. you could be proactively bringing the match to the ground or you could be reactively bringing the match to the ground, right? Mm-hmm. The difference being like right versus right you know, you have the chin down, I kick the leg for the sasai, and then I drop you to your knees and I've proactively taken you down. Right, right. Into transition there was, and I could go for that British strangle right away. 
Right. Or I'm snapping you down, going for Tomoinagi and trying to go for Juju. I'm proactively trying to take you down to the ground. As opposed to you going for Tomonaga to bail out of a technique or actually trying to throw, maybe even from dominant position, mm-hmm. right? I'm reactively taking the match to the ground now and then going for the over-under pass. Right. So and th- you have to train both. You have to train both. Yeah. And this is an interesting topic, especially because it had, I think, we uh, this topic has uh, some relevance to BJJ. Um, yeah. So yeah. a lot of times, you know, BJJ protectors <laughs> want to take the fight to the ground, so they like sometimes <clears throat> jump guard and whatnot. So, yeah. this, wh- how do you, <clears throat> how wh- what would you recommend for BJJ protect- practitioners to f- f- maybe focus, or w- what kind of strategy would you recommend to them to mm-hmm. effectively kind of exploit this transition period? Yeah. So it depends uh, what the rule sets are, right? It depends. Are you talking about training or competing? If you're trying to compete in judo, I've seen like unbelievable, unbelievable Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners get down to the ground and now they have one, two, three, four, five to improve position or the referee says, stop, get back up to your feet. Right. Right. And I've seen them go to the ground, you know, five or six times and not being able to capitalize because the guy is just really tight looking at the ref like, okay, one, two, three, four, five, you know? And then they're kind of getting pissed off and like, why is this? And then people right. are saying things like, oh, they're favoring the judo guy. And they're not giving a BJJ guy yeah, enough time, ample yeah. enough time to do Nawaza. But it's all within the rule sets. Right. right. The rule sets are guiding that decision. And yeah, is there favoritism with the referee? Of course there is. Always. We're all human. There's all yeah. people are always going to play favorites. Right. Especially me. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that's the thing. You know, uh, playing to different rule sets really matter. Right? right. If you're trying to compete in judo and you already have a big jujitsu background, you want to develop your techniques that's going to bring the match to the ground fast and you can attack right away those transitions I talked about. Right. The person who did this super successfully is Flavio Kanto. Right. He has the side tomonage into the Kanto choke. Yeah. Instantaneous, fast. Bring the match to the ground, go for the choke. Boom, 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 boom. It has to be that kind of a thing. Right. You know what I mean? Even the passes, like all the BJJ passes that you may learn, knee cut, uh, Toriander pass, uh, yeah. X pass, this pass, that pass, dragon pass, you know, whatever pass, none of that stuff's going to work because the rule sets don't penalize you, oh, the person's passing my guard, I'm going to go to my stomach. In jiu-jitsu, you get penalized for that. Right. You pass the guard, you get points, you give up your back, you, get, you give up points, right? Because the goal is to strangle. Mm-hmm. If in judo, someone does an X-pass to me in a competition, I'll just go to my stomach. And if I could hold that position, no forward progression, one, two, three, four, five, referees just say, stop, get back up to your feet. Right, right. All right. Will I do that in practice? Never. Because now all of a sudden I'm giving up my back. Time doesn't stop. Time keeps going. It gives him a better position. Now he's going to slowly strangle me. Mm-hmm. Right, attack my arm, go for the choke, attack my arm, go for the choke, stripping my hands, seatbelt, I can't really move, I'm trying to escape, I can't really escape because his chin's tucked t- t- tight on my shoulder, right? So in practice, I would never do that, but in the tournament, of course I would. Yeah. Because the rules are different. Right. You know what I mean? Same thing in guard position, like, yes, you could go for Tomonage, be in bottom position and go for the Delahiva, right? But the Delahiva works because the person is in a bent, straight uh, bent knee position coming into the technique and his goal is to pass right right if he doesn't really want to pass and if he's just standing there and if he could stay keeping a wide base for one two three five or if he's going to say mate get back up to your feet right because that's the name in the game if you're competing 
right? So if you're trying to do judo as a BJJ practitioner, you know, first you have to learn how to grip, not mm-hmm. being in bad positions so you don't get thrown. Mm-hmm. Second, you have to be able to actively take the person down. Uh, you know, not take the person down necessarily, but transition fast and attack fast mm-hmm. based on the judo niwaza rule set. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think those are really two sort of important things. But this is the thing. If you're just training to do that and win in competition, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice. Mm-hmm. Because you're not being an overall grappler, right? right? You're not really learning some of these other beautiful positions, beautiful techniques, beautiful things and ideas and concepts and movements mm-hmm. that is like the most unbelievably, you know, amazing thing. That's what you're there for, right? To get better. Right. Competition's only a small portion of this. Right. right. That's why I'm not like a huge competition advocate. Right. Because you're only learning grappling in a very small subsection. And it's necessary to have those really restrictive rules because it's kind of got to be safe. It's kind of got to be spectator friendly. There's so many mm. different forces at play as opposed right. to like me and you, we're going to make each other better. We're going to grapple, hang out, get beers after this, and it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right. That's right. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, approaching approaching judo as an art and then holistically, not just like a like a, a means, like a tool to just win competitions. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. And Another thing I wanted to ask about now that we're talking about BJJ a little bit, uh, you know, a lot of other arts that allow leg shooting, especially, um, mm-hmm. come into judo and then they kind of have this bent over posture. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about that posture? Is it advantageous or uh, why do judo players tend to you know, maintain the upright posture and yeah. how to deal with the bent over posture. Yeah. So the bent over posture with the stiff arm makes it very difficult, right? Because you right. create separation up here and now you're creating separation from your center of base to your legs, right? So right. your legs are far away. So, mm-hmm. right. So from the point of your hand, which connects to the opponent's gi and your feet are very, very it's separated. So now yeah. for you to access the feet is very difficult, mm-hmm. right? So you need to be able to have a tomonage or a fake tomonage, and then you could snap. Now it's a lot easier to snap someone down that way, right? Mm-hmm. But they have double collar, right? And they're hanging on tight. It's very difficult to bring their posture down. So you may have to go the opposite direction, cut one of the hands, mm-hmm. right? And if they're hanging just on one hand, now you could start moving and creating angles and snapping them down, faking tomonage, and doing all these different ideas. Right, right, right. So it is a good thing, you know. People say, "Oh, don't hunch over. That's defensive posture." But sometimes you just need to be in a defensive posture. It's defensive right. posture for a reason. It's defensive. Yeah. Right? And of course, now you, when you take that posture, you're not capable of attacking. Mm-hmm. Because you separated your hips and legs so far away from your opponent. When you want to bring your hips underneath to lift the person, you have to close that distance first. Right. So right. immediately you're falling into this hierarchical thing of like, okay, you're attacking. I'm defending. Mm-hmm. As opposed to if we're locked up 50-50, I'm attacking, you're attacking, I'm attacking, you're attacking. We're doing offense and defense simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Once you bring your hips back and you have that stiff arm, I'm saying, okay, I'm doing defense. Now you're doing offense. It's kind of the equivalent of playing football. And right. one person is on the drive and the other person on defense, right? It's a little bit more clear cut. I see. So now how does the offensive person break through this? Right. Right. And now they're capable of doing it more successfully if they're very experienced because they could only focus on breaking the balance and the posture and trying right. to force their technique. 
as opposed to now you're not really worried so much about the person Sanagi, the person's Uchimata, person's Sotogari. You don't have to worry about that stuff anymore, mm-hmm. right? So that's sort of the advantage. And you have to, it's hard to really put the words, right? A lot of people say, oh, don't be in defensive posture because you could get slammed Uchimata right away. Right. It's like, really? You're going to throw that guy, the wrestler that's going like this with their hips back? You can just <laughs> throw him Uchimata at will? Not really. You can't. You can't, yeah. right? But there is an advantage there for being uh, in the offensive side. Like a you, dri- the, you can yeah. play to your, you, you are the driver now. You're the driver, yeah. The, yeah. But, you know, also from a defensive standpoint, you're winning. You know, right. there's 30 seconds left in the match. All you have to do is hold on for another 30 <laughs> seconds. Right? You need that. You need to be able to do that. Right. right? So you have to be, it, it falls into the general overall strategy. It's like never bring your hips back and never stiff arm. That never, that, it's bad advice. That makes because you me, need to be able to do that. Yeah. That makes me wonder. You, um, so say... You're a BJJ practitioner. You learn some judo, and you're yeah. you're trying to you, you're trying to compete in a BJJ competition mm. where you don't really have to take the person down to win. Well, you yeah. just have to take them down to the ground, so may. So, would yeah. you recommend? Would you still recommend like being upright and trying to be more positive in the mm. takedown game for in that situation? Or yeah, because you get two points for the takedown. Right. You know, this is the thing. Like, those high-amplitude throws don't get really rewarded. Right. right. Whether you launch them with a belly-to-belly suplex mm-hmm. or whether the person goes for a, a guard pull and you catch their ankle and you drive them to the ground, you right. still get the same two points. Right. You know what I mean? So, would I go posture up? I would definitely start grip fighting. Right. Right? Grip fighting Because if first. I have the sleep down first, the same way, they don't know how to grip fight at all. Right. right. So then you grip fighting, you have one hand on, and you almost have to assume that they're going to go pull guard there. Right. Right. So then catching Kochi, catching the leg pick there, and then ending up top, scoring a quick two points would be then, sort of a good thing. I see. But will I try to stand upright to force an Ipon Senagi? No. Right. You wouldn't Can even I? really. Yeah. You know, yeah, I might because if they're like, you know what, judo guy, you know, maybe I want to test my skills and I'm going to lock yeah. up upper body. You know, it happened to me when I fought in a jiu-jitsu tournament once, right? This first guy right. had no clue who I was. He was, like, much bigger than me. He yeah. wanted to lock up. I was like, God bless you. Boom, <laughs> right? And then the second guy, as I'm doing my second match, the guy's like, he does judo, uh-huh. right? And then uh, he was like, oh, shit. You know, and yeah. he, like, sat down right away and then, uh, you know. You had to play your guard game, or, like, or pass him on that yeah now yeah. i'm not gonna try to stand up and throw him there yeah you know because he's just sitting to the ground right, right. so it's like you kind of have to adjust you know right and then in bjj2 if they're pulling guard there's a transition game they're transitioning down to the ground you could attack that right i see you're yeah. not proactively taking them down that's sort of the reactive transitional game right and you have to be prepared for it right you know so the game changes based on the rule sets right but that's the thing you don't want to play it just to the rule sets you want to be able to grapple Right? right overall and that's what your goal is in practice so right. you have to have a tournament strategy general tournament strategy and then you have to have a strategy just for training mm-hmm. you know what i mean i see and then you have to be able to adjust and maneuver the levers and say here i have a competition coming up i'm going to do this and that's partially why i don't like competition because you're just training for that for one them. thing yeah it's a very restrictive grappling thing right 
Yeah, we yeah. we we had to change uh, our practice structure drastically for like like coming up to, uh, for competitions yeah. and whatnot. So like guy Luca's doing yeah. that right now. He wants to compete. Oh yeah, and he you know Luca, big Luca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has no none of this stuff, none of it. You know, he's been doing it for a very long time. Like the transitional newaza, he doesn't do any of it. And so I'm like trying to teach him little by little the right. newaza of just attacking the turtle in a competition setting versus like, ah, yeah, mm. you know, hooks this and over under that and then uh, seatbelt that and you grab the wrist and fight weak side, strong side, you know, back attack. <laughs> it's like, forget all that stuff for competition. You know, we're going to go 30 second goes, right? Yeah. I miss Sanagi, you're attacking it. You miss Sanagi, I'm attacking that, you're defending it. We're right. going to do 30 second goes and we're going to do 10 of them. You know, that's, that's yeah, very good. directed. Yeah, that's good practice. That's deliberate practice, right? Okay, right. now bail out Tomonage. I go for Tomonage. You're gonna over under split and pass it. You're like, what about the, the Nikat sliding thing? I'm like, forget that because it's not gonna work in competition. <laughs> the guy's gonna roll to the stomach. We're gonna yeah. only do over under passes now. Oh, this sucks. I'm like, I know it sucks. <laughs> Can we just do Randori? I'm like, no, man, because the the guy is gonna, you know. <laughs> No, <laughs> it's not gonna work. Yeah, not gonna. That's a yeah. You got to do Randori, but you know what? If this is the reason why you lose, you know, and this is right. why we got to prepare for that specifically. Right. Right. That's yeah. That's an interesting balance. I mean, I think you do need to practice that side, but then yeah, and that's boring. Who wants to do way, that? Yeah, you know why? But they, like, I remember you told me like in Boston, you guys would do, you know, over under passes like. Hundreds of yeah. times a day yeah. just to get good. Yeah. It's like drop Very Sanagi Juji. You know, yeah. you're like 30 times in, you're like, holy moly. Yeah. And then you know, <laughs> it's like, what's next? Like, Tomonage split the legs. You're like, jeez. <laughs> and then the drill after that is like, Tomonage inside turn, opponent turns in. And then you're like, oh, turns yeah. out. It's like, oh. And then you're like, you've been 45 minutes in, and you've been doing the same thing every single day for the last eight months. You're just like, holy moly. But you get good at it. Yeah. I mean, look at Kayla and Travis. Work for that. Yeah, here's a story Olympics. for you. Yeah. Jimmy's fighting this guy. Uh, not Jimmy. Uh, Travis is fighting this guy who he's never beat. Yeah. Russian guy or Georgian guy. And Jimmy yeah. goes out there and he goes, yeah, you know, this is going to be tough. They just train in training camp and Travis got thrown or whatever it is. And Jimmy goes, maybe the guy goes to his back. Which means maybe the guy goes for Tomonaga and you over right. under pass and pin him. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Well, yeah. Guy that was really exciting. Good. Yeah, you know, class him on his feet, whatever it is, and the guy goes for Tomonagi or something. And Travis is like, "Got you!" Boom, over underpass. Guy's trying to turn out. He knows oh. exactly what to do because he drilled it every single day for forty-five minutes for the last ten years. Right <laughs> for that exact moment, it, it was. And it it's was a, a, yeah, yeah, and it's a good percentage of times that you end up in that position. Right, bailout attack. What can you do? Sumi Tomonagi Ipon Sanagi. Okay, right. <laughs> so he goes Ipon Sanagi. I'm gonna go for these chokes. If he goes for Tomonaga or Sumi, I'm going to go for the over-under pass. Right. That's it. There's a good chance you find yourself in that position. Right? Both times, reactive, Nawaza transition, always, always going to happen. Mm-hmm. So if you're and good at it, right? But does, do I want to teach that every single day and have everybody drill that every single day? Yeah. If, you know, if my goal to was to, to make... Olympics, yeah. yeah. Everybody goes to the Olympics. Everybody's training. Everyone's competing. Then that's that. But who's going to sign up and do that? right you know (laughs) nobody and is that good to be a over you know good well-rounded grappler no you know what i mean yeah so that's it's a that's a interesting point about the competition uh training and whatnot well now we talked a lot about 
setting up to the throw, the grip fighting yeah. and then how to establish dominant positions and dealing with all different postures and whatnot. Mm. How about the throws themselves? You know, a lot of times I hear you only need three good throws to be good at yeah. judo. The three tokuiwazas, whatever. Do you yeah. think it needs to be uh, more like, oh, you have to know a little bit about everything? Or do you really think you only need three and kind of mm -hmm. throw away the other ones? It really does come back to your overall strategy and your physical abilities. And it right. comes down to the individual judoka. Right. It really, really does. And body type has something to do with it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I spent years doing uchimana, but sometimes it's hard to get it on people with longer limbs. Right. If you can't outgrip the person, it's hard to do uchimana because if you're in losing position, you're going to get countered. Right. Especially if they know how to counter it. If mm -hmm. they're taller, they can outgrip me. I'm not going to be able to throw the muchimata. Right. Especially if they're taller, they can outgrip me and counter it. Now I'm screwed. Yeah. But in fact, that's all I got. Okay, what's my other technique? Ouchi. Hmm. As a means to go into the uchimata. Kind of a same, similar technique when I'm attacking the inside of the leg, right? Right. Okay, so that doesn't work either. What's my third technique? Osoro. You know, he's taller he than me. Reach. has yeah. control of my power. Now I'm done. There's no way right. I'm going to, unless I could beat him in the trend. Then, then that's a good example of, okay, I have to transition to a newaza. How good is his newaza? Right. right. Does he have an over underpass? Can he capitalize on my mistakes? Right. All these different ideas come into play. But, you know, there are people who are unbelievable at this sort of a thing with Ipon Sainagi. They know freaking 30 different ways to enter Ipon Sainagi. If they could get their hips and arms across the body, the center line, right. they could finish it. There are people like that. You know, mm -hmm. so it's two different schools of thought. I think there's people that can train five hours a day. Like if you look at the Japanese team, yeah. they all have a favorite technique. Mm -hmm. right? They train five hours a day. They've done millions and millions of repetitions for this one technique. They know all the defenses, all the lines of right. reactions. You know, that that's something to be said about that. Right. But if you're learning judo in a hobby setting, which most people are in the United States, that's really not the way to go, I think. Right. You know? Because you could drill Uchimata 10,000 times, but if you can't fight for position, how mm -hmm. are you going to use that technique? Right. Right? So it's contextual. Right? In a way, the, I guess the main point you're trying to say is no matter which path you take, you have to be able to utilize, like you have to be able, your breath has to be big, uh, wide enough that you can you know, react and counter react to yeah. different situations. Yeah. You can yeah. either go with a lot of techniques or focus yeah. on a, a few techniques with a lot of varieties within them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There's some yeah. techniques that everyone should know, right? OG. Right. Yeah. That's a good one. You know, it opens them up, goes back, then sets up your forward attacks, mm -hmm. right? But a lot of these judo techniques are similar. Most of your turn throws are all turn throws. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Right. So it's like the footwork's the same. It's like, ah, uh, you know, do I want to develop a Uchimata or a Harai or a Tayo or a Koshiguma? Or a Go They're all kind of the same. You just turn your hips. Right? right. You can't really turn if the person has double shoulder posted on you. You mm -hmm. know, if hips are far away and their hips are lower than yours, it's going to be very difficult to get lower and underneath. Right. Right. So all these different things matter. And having mm -hmm. a coach that can sort of guide you is good. And, right. you know, maybe you say, oh, this guy's defensive, so I'm going to do Tomonage. All of a sudden you're doing Tomonage as part of your game. Tomonage, mm -hmm. Tomonage, Tomonage. That person's going to be like, okay, I'm getting thrown with Tomonage. I'm going to start posturing up a little bit and bending my knees a little bit more. Right, and then leaning back. Now all of a sudden it doesn't work. Now you have to do something else to get your right. job better. And that sort of pattern is going to help you develop that specific subsection of your entire strategy. 
And then I go with Peter, who has one-handed judo attacks, going left side, you know, three yeah. or four different attacks. I'm going to get good at that, right? So when I do encounter someone that does something similar to you, I know how to deal with it because you helped me deal with it. Right. Right. And every, every time I know how to stuff those different things, you have to come up with new ways to get better and best me. Right. Yeah. And one time it was a Tomonagi that you caught me. With, right? <laughs> now I'm like, okay, that's an opportunity for Peter. Right. He turns to the left, has three or four different attacks, and he goes Tomonagi to that far side. Right. Which you hit me with once. Right. Yeah. I, was <laughs> I like, can count. <laughs> I remember right, that. So now, yeah. yeah. So now it's like uh, people who can do that. I've sort of seen it before. Right. Right. If I'm fighting someone that has very good transitional Newaza attacks, I've encountered those things so I could defend those things. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's hard to put your attention on everything all at once. So it's recognizing this pattern. This guy fights kind of like Peter. He has this left side situation. Right. I fight, uh, you know, Gurlitz or something. He does these different things. Right. He likes the close range judo. I'm yeah. familiar with it because the close range judo, I've done this with him many, many times. I do these things. He does these things. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah. Close range, I use that sort of as a reference. And he's lefty. Right. right? So that's why you need to train with a lot of different people. <clears throat> right. If you're training just to win, though, I have to put this word out there, you're not. You're doing yourself a disservice because you're right. not putting yourself in that left versus right. Use Gurlitz as an example. Close the distance, right versus left, hip to hip. He loves right. that place. If I'm finding him to win, I'm never going to be in there because that's, that's his favorite spot. I'm going right. to strip it, get away from it. Every time he goes, I'm going to bail out. Right. I won't fight in there. I just won't if I'm winning. But if I'm putting myself there in practice and allowing myself to get launched sometimes, right, I can learn that position that he's very good at. Right. So the next time I fight someone that can force that specific position on me, I'm going to be familiar. Right. Right. And that's yeah. sort of a general a strategy to judo in your training. Training. Methodologies. Yeah. I see. So then... Now we talked about the actual grappling part of the yeah. judo match. So now it's this is getting towards more like judo match specific things. But you know, when you go out there, it's not just about being good at judo. You gotta uh, typically your day consists of multiple matches because it'll be a tournament. Yeah. So like match management and yeah. like playing by the rule, like playing mm. the rules a little bit. All those. external factors i guess outside of the uh, match kind of matter too so any any strategies in that that you like to think about for sure so you you got to play the rules right right Uh, if the person doesn't have a good mat awareness and i used to this was something that i used to struggle with too like i'll be trying to throw the person trying to fight the person before i know it i'm like stepping into the red and the person kind of shoves me out of bounds and now all of a sudden i've gotten penalized right i'm down a penalty right Happens again, you know, I might be able to throw him. I'm feeling like I'm going to throw him. We're doing it wasn't. I'm doing all the right things, but I step out of bounds again. Oh, shoot, two penalties. I get another right. one, I'm done, right? Right. Now all of a sudden I'm fighting back. I'm like a little bit desperate. Right. To play the rule, you know, the getting the penalty card situation. Force right. penalty, force penalty. And some people are very, very, very good at that. Right. At playing the game, right? Because mm. it's a game. Mm. And people are like, that's not real judo. It's like, it is judo. It's part of the judo. It's competition, mm-hmm. right? And that's another thing. That's another subsection of, of it that plays a big part, forcing right. penalties, right? So if I have, you know, one exchange, exchanges where me and you grip up and go for stuff, transition to the ground, the referee says stop, or the match action stops because we mm-hmm. go out of bounds, that's one exchange, right? So the first exchange, you know, you're offensive, I'm kind of defensive, we get dragged down to the Nawaza. The referee makes note of that. Right. Second, second exchange, 
I step out of bounds. The referee makes note of that. Third exchange, I step out again. He's like, penalty. Right. Fourth exchange, you've attacked and attacked and attacked, and I do no attacks. He's like, yeah, this guy hasn't attacked in four exchanges. Penalty again for Shintaro. Right? So appealing to the referee and playing that rule, the rule set, the rules, like that's a big part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's a fair and legal part of it. Some right. people are very good at appealing to the ref and like, oh, look, I'm going for all these different things. <laughs> or if you go for a Sanagi, it's like, wow, he's just dropping to his knees. You're going to make a little show of it, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like when you're soccer, you get shoved and you fall down and rolling on the ground like, ah, my leg. Yeah. You know, he kicked me and broke me and broke my leg. And then the was like, okay, red card, get out of here. But they didn't really injure him. Right. The guy's playing next, next uh, you know, what is it? Next round, next match, next. Next match, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah that it's people love to hate on that. But there's a lot of incidents. Soccer players do it because a lot of times refs miss it with if they just don't flop around a little that's true yeah, yeah. and i, mean, like, I still like, hate it but yeah i i do too and but yeah. i can't i can't say much because as you guys know we talked about this but you know i kind of play that a little uh in one of the <laughs> matches so yeah, yeah that uh yeah i think uh it's the the caution the the warning games is yeah. very important because especially like as you go higher up um you know when uh, you know the skill levels are very very much equal you yeah. know nothing much happening all even little things like the, the uh, match management makes a lot of difference yeah yeah so like yeah so you, you got playing the rules you know you got burning the clock you got to cl- manage the clock right. when you're out there when you're training sometimes like oh there's 10 minutes on the round or five minutes on the round you do one round you go another whatever it doesn't really matter that much right it's right like, oh i'm tired and you know managing the clock has a lot to do with just your gas tank Right. You know, that for me at least it is, right? Yeah. Because it's like, oh man, you know, I'm out of shape or I haven't trained, right? But when you're in a competition, it's like you're up by a score. There's a minute left. That's two exchanges, right? Mm-hmm. It's like he has two opportunities to launch me. You know, do I know what's coming? Can I control his sleeves? Can I do this? Has what if he gets me be outgrips me both exchanges? Right. The likelihood of him throwing me in the last minute is pretty high, especially mm-hmm. if I'm tired. Okay, right. so what do I do? What's the best method, right? And I look at a coach who's very skilled and say, okay, burn the clock. Nawaza, force, force Nawaza. Right. Right. So maybe I force Nawaza. And now all of a sudden, as opposed to actually going for things that's going to submit him or choke him or turn him, all I'm doing is trying to create movement to improve position slightly. Right. So the timer resets. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have a mental clock of like one, two, three, four, five. Nothing happens. Referee stands you up. Okay. Right. He misses the throw. He's down in turtle position. One, two, three, four. I sit him really hard to the side as if I'm going to yeah. try to pull him into my lap for the crab ride position. Right. Okay, timer resets. I can return him back to his stomach after that. Right. One, two, three, four, five. Now I'm looking for the arm bar and I'm threading my arm and going for it. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's going for something. Let's let this thing continue. One, two, three, four, five. We're locked in. Okay, I transitioned back out of it. Now I have the over-under thing, the uh, seatbelt grip. Now right. I'm sitting to the opposite side. Oh, he's going for something else. One, two, three, four. Now you've already burned 30 seconds, 20 seconds. Yeah. Mate, back up to the feet. Okay, last exchange, 30 seconds left. He comes in, outgrips me, boom, he's about to launch me. I go Tomanage. Now I'm in the Back to the guard place, yeah. Right? And then instead of holding the close guard there, I go for Juji. Oh, he's going yeah. for Juji. One, two, three, four, five. Looking for the sweep. He's getting tipped over. Oh, is he going to tip him over? One, two, three, four, five. Right? Time management, but, just clock management, burning it, burning it, burning it. Right. 
You know what I mean? That's, so that's yeah. another type of a strategy that you could only really gain through experience. Experience, yeah. Yeah. And I was great at burning the clock. Really good <laughs> well, at it, you know? Whether the, the, I was winning or not, I was just I get tired, so I would just be like, "Oh man!" <laughs> Did you burn it through mm-hmm. Nevada play like that, like just like you just described? Usually, you no. Know, when I was competing a lot, I wasn't very good at Nevada, and I didn't uh, like Nevada. Right. So I didn't really try to do anything, you know. And a lot of people told me the stuff that I'm I, I preach now, but I, it wasn't a big part of my game. Right. Because I was always so confident that I could throw someone on my feet. Right. Right. So I like preferred to be on my feet. Mm-hmm. Even though it wasn't always the case, like it was kind of like, you, you know, just felt more comfortable on your feet. I feel more comfortable yeah. on my feet, so it's like I didn't really want to force Nawaza. Like, why bother if I miss it? If I go for it, if I miss it, you know, my tank wasn't very good, right? I, right. I wasn't known for my endurance, so if I'm like forcing a turnover or something, if I don't get it, oh, I burned some, you know, tank. So it's yeah. like tank management is a real thing, you know, for gas tank. Yeah. Right. So like, I never really. Played especially I was because I was in the wrong division, right? So if the person's much heavier, right? right. If I'm trying to do nawaza and it's a lot of weight that I'm trying to move, mm-hmm. it just wasn't part of my my thing. So how did you burn your burn your time? On yeah, the just feet? doing that, you know, on my on the feet. Yeah, well, you said. Oh yeah, so gripping's great for that, right? So if right. I'm up, just gonna grip fight, grip fight, one hand on and go for bad turn throws or bad tomanages right. to just force it into the ground. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I see, but then I if I'm going with somebody that's a good Nawaza guy, and if I knew that Nawaza is better than mine, yeah. I would try to avoid that. Right. You know? A lot of dancing around, faking moves, a lot of dancing around, faking moves, mm-hmm. kicking the shin, trying to bring them to their knees so that I could go behind him and hold that position as opposed to go for anything. Right. Preventing right, right. the person from pulling you know, me into the guard position. Right. By just sticking to him real tight. Right. And as they're trying to go for the guard situation, like rolling into guard or something like that, I'm preventing it and moving. So then the time is kind of burning. Mm-hmm. Things like that that I would try to do. But, you know, I was a decent competitor. I wasn't a great, great competitor. I wasn't like an Olympic top level competitor or anything like that. But 34th in the world, though. 43rd. 43rd? I was counting. Oh, 43rd. One time, One yeah. time I, I touched that. but <laughs> That's pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. There was uh we covered a lot about the two strategies like from gripping yeah. all the way to match management all the you know nitty gritty so um I hope you guys enjoyed it any uh, parting words for the audience? No, nope. uh, just yeah. find me on Instagram, find me on YouTube, check out my stuff. I have right. a couple of judo fanatics DVDs coming. One of them being stiff arming opponents. Good. Yeah. And one of them being Tomoinage, which is all the stuff that we were kind of talking about today. Right. If you have any questions, reach out to me on Instagram. And then if I have time, I'll respond. Cool. All right. Thank well, you, Peter. Thank you. Um, and stay tuned for the next episode, guys.